Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm hanging out with you on a special Friday edition. Oh, what a Soccer Weekly we have planned. The next uh, almost 60 minutes now, right? We're into it. So the next hour, we are just going to rock your world with the uh, soccer news that you need. Should he or shouldn't he be getting a statue? That's the first question. LA Galaxy have revealed they're going to reveal a statue of David Beckham in front of their stadium, Dignity Health Sports Park. Is he the right man for the first ever MLS statue for a player? Now, if you know the name Lamar Hunt, you know that he already has a statue. I think it's at FC Dallas's park, pretty sure. Lamar Hunt, of course, an, a legend and an icon in both the National Football League and Major League Soccer, and soccer in general here in America. But as a player, the first ever player to get a statue for himself in front of their state, you know, in his or his stadium where he played, David Beckham and the LA Galaxy. Now, you might you might be surprised at my reaction to this on some level because first and foremost, David Beckham is the biggest signing in the history of MLS and always will be. Always. Doesn't matter who they sign going forward. And we some we see some great players coming to MLS. And I get into these Twitter beefs, not beefs, but we go back and forth a little bit. I love soccer Twitter. And most of you love me, not all. But, we, you know, you get into it a little bit with people who are maybe a little newer to MLS, and it's like, oh, Miguel Almarone's the best signing ever. And it's, look, maybe Miguel Almarone becomes the best player to ever play in MLS. I don't think so, but maybe. And maybe he's had as much impact as a designated player signing as other t- players, not Robbie Keane, but, you know, others. But the biggest and best signing ever in MLS was David Beckham, and always will be. Get that through your head, soccer fan. Not Thierry Henry, not Ronaldo or Messi if they end up signing with MLS. No, because Beckham set the wheels in motion. None of this would have happened without him. None. And remember... Everybody always thinks, oh, it's, you know, he came back, he came over here when he was 38. He was 31! It was the single biggest signing in the history of MLS, and it always will be. And short of actually forming the league, whenever all the owners got together after the World Cup, or right around the World Cup in 94, whenever they signed documents that said they were starting Major League Soccer, just short of that... It's the most important thing to ever happen in MLS and always will be, other than actually starting the league itself. That's the David Beckham signing. So does he deserve a statue? Yes. Should he be getting a statue with the LA Galaxy before Landon Donovan? Or Robbie Keane? No. Hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. Your thoughts on what I'm saying here. Yes, he deserves a statue. He shouldn't be the first. Even though he's the biggest signing ever, and always will be, maybe this is more of an MLS kind of statue. And yeah, you're going to put it in front of the Galaxy Stadium, of course. That's where David Beckham played, the only place he played in MLS in terms of, well, you know, being on that team in his home ground, if you will. But maybe this would be more of an MLS statue. 
Because is he the most deserving of an L.A. Galaxy statue? No. Not to say he's not deserving. I didn't say that. He's not the most deserving. Certainly wouldn't be first. And the thing is with statues, right? We've seen this in other... You've got to be careful. All of a sudden it becomes Staples Center. There's, what, eight statues out there? You know Kobe's going to get one. Eventually you're going to get, you know, like, what are you going to do? Have statues of Nick Van Exel out there? I mean, slow down. If if I see a Chris Mim statue unveiling, I'm out of (laughs) here. So, yeah, it's absolutely Beckham deserves a statue. Should he be the first one? Yikes. I mean, what if I'm Robbie Keane or Landon Donovan and I'm hearing about it, I'm wondering whether they're going to call me for my measurements, for my bust, and my statue. Well, or a whole statue, as it were. So, interesting news there, and I'm not saying he shouldn't get one. Fascinating. Hit me up on Twitter. Give me your thoughts at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly. Of course, if you miss anything of the show each and every week, don't forget we're on iTunes, we're at the ESPN Pod Center. Just look, search for Soccer Weekly. If you got buddies out there who love the beautiful game, let them know. Let them know. Don't hog me all to yourself. Come on, you're better than that. Well, you're probably not better than that, but I mean, just try to be better than that. Be a better person. Sad news in the world of football. Do have to get to it. I don't want to not talk about it, but we're not going to get too deep into it. Emiliano Sala, the sad news out of the man from Nance, the player from Nance who was signed by Cardiff City and was uh, unfortunately was killed in a plane crash. They did uh, discover his body there. Remember, the search was going on for a few days. They were unable to locate the wreckage for a while. They have found him, and uh, unfortunately, he did perish in that accident, in that crash. And we appreciate, you know, we appreciate the, the love and support that's going on throughout the football community for Emiliano Sala. Also, tragic news at Flamengo, the training camp there. Down in Rio de Janeiro, some 10 people killed in a fire there, including some teenagers who were part of their training facility there at Flamengo. So we want to reach out and uh, say our prayers are with them as well in the soccer community there also. Hey, still to come, we got plenty to get to. Among that is a black and gold breakdown. We've got Walker Zimmerman coming up from LAFC. Going to talk with him a little bit about the U.S. men's national team and what went down with Walker. He's just a goal scorer extraordinaire. He can't stop scoring goals, that guy. We'll talk with him a little bit. Plus, stoppage time coming. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Oh, man, we are just weeks away now as we march towards that LAFC opener on March 3rd. We can't wait to bring it to you here on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. And joining us now, he's been a beast for LAFC since they started last season in the back. Of course, he's uh, an MLS veteran also with FC Dallas and now the U.S. men's national team in force. He's a goal scorer extraordinaire. The great Walker Zimmerman. Walker, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. That was a great intro. Thank you. Yeah, well, hey, look, you started scoring goals for LAFC late in the season when it looked like, you know, you you typically get a handful of goals each year in MLS. That's kind of been your MO, you know, over the years. And uh, it, you st- maybe maybe you were a little upset with your goal scoring early with with uh, LAFC, but then you really turned it on late. It seemed like you couldn't stop scoring. And now all of a sudden you go to the U.S. men's national team. Let's backtrack a little bit, though. We'll get to that. But how was the camp with Greg Burhalter? How did things go for you, man? I, you know, I had a great experience with Greg. That was my first time really working with him, getting to know him and his staff. And uh, I thought they did a really good job of 
you know, implementing their style of play, creating a team culture, and uh, all the goals that he had kind of laid out for us at the beginning of camp, I felt like we accomplished. And uh, so it was a good, it was a long month, it was a good month, uh, and I think it just prepared us all well to return back to our clubs to hit the ground running. All right, let's take it back a bit further and put you under the spot. Walker, why are you still with LAFC? What happened in the offseason, man? We were all worried. <laughs> Off-seasons are crazy times, uh, especially on contract <laughs> years, and um, there's always a lot of important decisions that need to be made. Um, but ultimately, you know, as my experience here last year at LAFC, that was a big factor in those decisions. Um, just looking at what the, the club has done, the way that they've gone about their business in terms of making everything professional, uh, really taking care of their players, and making sure that all we have to focus on is the football aspect. And so... Uh, it's good to, to be back, return with uh, the same staff, be under Bob. Uh, we had 18 guys returning from last season, so we kept a large part of our team. And so just to come back with my friends and teammates and uh, chase that, that elusive trophy. Well, there were a lot of rumors swirling around. Now we can talk about them with a bit of a smile on our face as LAFC fans, Walker. But what was going on in the offseason? Who came after you, man? Which parts of the, these stories we heard were true? Yeah, I mean, there's always, it's funny because the media, it, it's always crazy in the media. You know, some things are true, some things are not. And sometimes you laugh when you see things come out. And then sometimes you're like, man, how do they even know that? And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's interest from, uh, different places, um, overseas. But again, like it comes back to all the different factors. You know, what league is it? What kind of coach are you playing for? What city are you living in? And when I took all these factors into consideration and, and just thought about it a little bit more, just felt like LA was home. Uh, even after just one season, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be back. Well, you know, we know that, uh, as you just talked about there, uh, we're talking with Walker Zimmerman, uh, center back for LAFC. We know on the pitch, you talked about it with the with the organization. What about LA, Walker, maybe outside of soccer that has drawn it to you? Know, to you? What makes you want to stay in Los Angeles? Well, you know, I think moving here, you, you hear Los Angeles and you think of this daunting city uh, with tons of things to accomplish. And that actually couldn't be more true. But it's, yeah. it's not daunting in the sense of, of being scary. It's just like, man, I really have so many different parts of the city and outskirts of the city and even, you know, drives to Santa Barbara or Newport or, or places around here. There's just so much to conquer. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy that we get to, to come back and, and hopefully achieve some of those other destinations and uh, really kind of figure out the, the hidden spots around town. So, uh, like I said, tons to, to cover and go to, but we feel like we barely scratched the surface in a, in a full year last year. You were right about that. you got the, this contract and maybe a couple other contracts in the future before you can conquer <laughs> yeah, we'll LA, see, that's we'll for sure. See. We are yeah. talking with Walker Zimmerman for uh, LAFC here on the Black and Gold Breakdown. Walker, let's talk, talk me through that goal here. You know, let's be honest, uh, it, the game – for us as we watch we want to know what it feels like there are sometimes in a, in a player's career walker where a ball is sent to you a play is made you make a run and you are supposed to score no matter who you are defender forward mm-hmm. maybe you're, you're supposed to score that is kind of how that ball that nick lima put forward was for you you're mm-hmm. supposed to put that ball in the back of the net what does that feel like as it's coming at you so it's it's a little it's a little scary. Uh, you know yeah. the goalkeeper. I saw the goalkeeper coming out, and so I'm thinking to myself, if I don't get to this ball first, I'm probably getting a, a fistful of goalie into my head. <laughs> um, and so that was my first reaction, just get to the ball, uh, because I knew that if the goalie was coming out, then all I had to do was just head it down and on target. And so yeah. that's the part where you're, you talk about the goals that you have to score. So obviously it was an empty net, um, but uh, 
talk about the incredible ball, man. Nick put in a, a phenomenal ball that just kind of went right to my run. And, uh, again, I knew the keeper was coming out, so I just had to get, get the ball first. Okay, Walker, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relay you something personal. I was a garbage athlete, right? I love sports, terrible <laughs> athlete. I played soccer in eighth grade, and the only goal I ever scored, I virtually blacked out in front of the goal, and then I woke up, essentially, when the ball was in the back yeah. of the net, right? It was a, you know, just a tap-in uh-huh. or whatever. Somebody else did all right. the work. Does that, right. I mean, what does it, ha- how does it happen for a pro? I know it's your job and everything, but, like, are there times where you don't even really remember what happened, or is that just, no, that's ridiculous? I mean, I think it's more right after it happens. I just kind of always freak out after goals. I don't know what it is. Uh, just the, the we thrill, see that, the yes. We... The emotion. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's just too much to sometimes even, even celebrate. Like in that case, you know, you just kind of just go into a, a crazy place where you're just so intense that your body doesn't even know what to do. Um, so it was fun. I've seen that out of you. Uh, you always, get like a you get like yeah. a good mad. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you get a good, good mad, mad after a you healthy, score. A healthy mad. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I think the words that always come out are "Let's go" or "Come on." Like every yeah. single time, I I think I see pictures of myself screaming after every one. So uh, we'll see if that ever changes. But uh, maybe I can come up with a clever goal celebration at some point in my career. Walker, what's it like in terms of these camps when? You know, obviously you have a couple of games to look forward to, as you guys did. But, you know, realistically, you know, these are moving parts when it comes to a U.S. men's national team. That's the bottom line. You may not play with the same guy in the back every time, quite frankly. You hope you mm-hmm. develop that chemistry with someone. What's that like, knowing that it's just, you know, it's your job, of course, but you you may be playing with several different players over the next few years. Right. Well, I think the important thing is knowing that it's always a competition, and, and it's competition like it doesn't breed complacency and so uh, it's been healthy to have guys especially in the national team that you're competing against that you don't always get to train with so that when you're there for you know two three four weeks you're going head to head you're trying to earn a spot on the field because you know as you mentioned the games are the the reward for those camps um so it's always intense you're always kind of competing um and while you're all teammates and you're supporting each other it is to a certain extent uh just an individual battle of of mentally overcoming things and, and physically being ready to, to handle the situation and then try and play yourself into a starting spot on the weekend. Are you going to be playing on Sunday against Atlanta in this next, uh, you know, it's preseason game, of course, but are you, are you going to be there playing? Yeah, yeah, I believe I should be. I think the plans are to have me play in that game, yes. Okay. Because, you know, honestly, I've, I've noticed the team, obviously I was out there for that game against Vissel Kobe uh, at the stadium, and – it's been very intense in the preseason. What, what have you noticed since coming back from the? Obviously, you're at a U.S. national camp. That's going to be intense. Right. But now that LFC is right. getting ready, what's what's the camp been like for you in this short time? It's been good. So I, I just finished. Uh, I think it's my third training session with the guys. And uh, no, I think it's our responsibility too. Just the guys coming back from camp that we we should also bring some level of intensity, competitive nature, and I, I think that's. Uh, one of my strengths is to try and be intense in training, try and raise the level. And so as we've gotten back, I think we've all made it a point on this team that, you know, just getting through practice isn't good enough. We want to win. We want to compete. We want to push each other to get better. And so there's been plenty of healthy conversations where we're all learning, we're all competing, but we're also pushing each other to, to reach a higher level than we were last year. One last thing, Walker. I know it's you know you know it's a business. We get it. Players move. This is soccer. This is world football. There are plenty of opportunities. Were you a little worried with the Carlos Vela Barcelona rumors flying around that turned out to be uh, thankfully just rumors? 
You know, I, I didn't even get a chance to, to text him over those. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, hmm, like, is this real? Is it not? And, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's hard because they're always your teammates, but you also don't want to meddle too much into personal things. So let's sure, just say sure. I'm glad he's coming back. Uh, really excited to have him as a teammate because he's obviously uh, is really special and brings a different dynamic to our team. Well, it's a good place to end because we all agree on that. He is Walker Zimmerman, for center sure. back for LAFC. This is Black and Gold Breakdown. Walker, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. All right, thank you, guys. Continued success right. to Walker Zimmerman. Of course, he scored in one of the games for the U.S. men's national team. It's always a pleasure to talk to him here on the show. Always love talking to him. Now, I, I want to start breaking down, uh, speaking of the Black and Gold Breakdown, I want to break down the, the UEFA Champions League round of 16 a little bit here and these matchups. And we'll dig in even deeper as we go here on the show. This is Soccer Weekly. Dave Dunholm hanging out with you here. And you know, some of these matchups, uh, not more intriguing than others, but the round of 16 is always interesting because you don't know if you're going to get that, like, oh, man, that massive Barcelona versus Real Madrid right away kind of thing. We saw the draw. We talked a little bit about the draw when it actually took place. Now the games are coming, right? They start on Tuesday and then Wednesday, and then they do the next week. There's uh, four more matchups on Tuesday and Wednesday for the first leg of these two-leg ties in the UEFA Champions League round of 16. Let's go over the matchups again real quick. Roma takes on Porto. Roma gets the home first leg and then on Tuesday. And then Man United and PSG. That's one of those big ones now, especially with the way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is done with Man United. And by the way, just as a little offshoot here, how can they not hire... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for me. Now, I know there's a, the, oh, Denholm, your Cleveland Browns didn't hire Greg Williams. Come on. Solskjaer has like, been dominant managing this team. This team has turned around 180. Who in the world? I mean, the pressure that's going to be on the next manager if they don't keep Ole. Well, this the, this matchup against PSG will tell us a lot about him and his future, in my estimation. And then on Wednesday, the 13th, coming up, Midweek, Tottenham hosts Dortmund in that first uh, leg. Whoa, another tough one in Ajax and Real Madrid. And then on Tuesday, the 19th, Lyon and Barcelona, Liverpool and Bayern Munich. Wednesday, the first leg has Atletico hosting Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo. Schalke against Man City in the other one. We'll break those down a little bit further uh, still to come here on Soccer Weekly. Also, more on the Mexican national team and an interesting little tidbit from a player actually, from uh, Dortmund. It's a story uh, ESPN FC did over at ESPNFC.us. I love the website, but kind of an interesting little story there. We'll have that and so much more. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly in the home of world football in Southern California. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. You know, it's fascinating. Uh, uh, about a month or two ago, if you just said Ajax versus Real Madrid, honestly, I kind of felt like Ajax was my team to watch in a lot of ways in this Champions League is kind of springing the upsets, but now Real Madrid's on fire. And I'm a little concerned there. So, you know, the the matchups we talked a little bit about in, before the, the last break there, in the last segment, there's a lot of good matchups in this round of 16, to be sure. But there's the, the one I really want to watch, believe it or not, is that Man United PSG, of course. That's the first one. And, you know, if, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can get past this, Right, if he beats P, I know Neymar has the issues. If he can get past PSG, get into the round of eight. What if he takes them further? What if they're a semifinal? What if they're the? Fi- How does this guy leave Man United with the success they're having? 
I know there are other factors. I get it. It's not just as cut and dried as, oh, look at what he does in you know a couple of months. You know, maybe maybe they're riding the high of getting rid of Mourinho and now getting you know Solskjaer in, who's a players manager, and he's kind of just yay. But maybe he's not right for the future. I get all that. I understand there are bigger factors than just what is his win loss tie, you know, win loss draw record or win draw loss record, as it were. But I mean, seriously. What does the dude have to do? Not only is he stabilized Manchester United, they're one of the best teams in the world the way they're playing. I don't happen to think their talent is all that electric at times. But he's getting the job done. Now, what if? What if? So it's definitely something I want to watch. How does he handle PSG? I also love the, the other Tuesday game as in terms of the, the two legs, Roma versus Porto. For me, it's a fantastic matchup. And I'm I'm super excited to watch that. Yeah, everybody's going to tell you Liverpool, Bayern, that is that is really classy, as it were. No doubt. Liverpool getting the home leg first. They're going to have to do some business against Bayern in that leg. I think I think legitimately a 2-0, 3-0 victory will, will be needed for Liverpool in that game. I don't know that they can't do it. I think they can, don't get me wrong. But that's a tough draw for Liverpool. That first leg at Anfield better go really well. Kind of the same thing for Atletico and Juventus to me. And I love Atletico Madrid. I understand the kind of game they like to play, what Simeone wants to do. He's going to try to stifle Juventus. You know, who who better to know how to handle Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe? But, you know, I, I just think that first leg has got to go Atletico's way. And then some. But now the difference is Atletico is not going to get out to a 3-0 lead against anyone. Atletico Madrid would not outscore Colorado Rapids 3-0 in the first leg of a two-leg tie. That's not their style. Yeah, you heard that right. But they would methodically destroy Colorado over two legs, probably 2-0 total. <laughs> but they'd just be dominant, right? That's not. So I'm not sitting here telling you Atletico's got to go out and fire in four goals against Juve and not give up a road goal and all that. No, of course not. Little different scenario, but they do need a really good result at the Stadio Metropolitano. Which I haven't been there, but oh man, if you cover games there and you look at it, you watch stunning stadium. And of course, the home crowd there is fantastic. Rest of the matchups are obviously any matchup in the round of 16 is good, right? They're, they're all good, but those are the ones I'm really peaked, have really piqued my interest. And I'm still kind of curious about Ajax and how they handle Real Madrid, who now. I mean, Real Madrid's playing so much better. So I, you know, I, I do think Ajax is going to be in trouble. I thought when the first when the, the draws first came out, I actually kind of was intrigued about a possible upset. Now I just I don't know. Real Madrid appears to have right the, righted the ship a bit. Certainly, I was kind of joking earlier in the year if they might get relegated. <laughs> that's how that's how things had begun for Real Madrid. So those are my. What are your favorite matchups? One, two, and three. Tweet me at Talk Soccer. I want to see. I want to hear uh, what your thoughts are. Even if you're listening to this on the podcast, that's fine. Hit me up on on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Just that simple. And tweet me your top three, two or three, of the round of sixteen matchups. If I had to do my top three in order, then I would indeed, because I like the intrigue: Man United, PSG, Roma, Porto, and Liverpool, Bayern. 
Those are my three. Now, again, all of them are intriguing to me on some level, like they are to you, I'm sure. These are great matchups. But those are my top three, if I had to put them in order. And that's the way I would look at that. News out of the Mexican national team. Tata Martino, of course, taking over, the former Atlanta United manager, and he uh, pulls in some players for a camp, right? I'm reading on ESPN FC, the great Tom Marshall, friend of the show. He covers Mexican football like nobody else. And uh, he uh, did a story on uh, how Tata Martino named his first squad. And he's pulling in four guys without any L tree experience. And according to Tom, they are Chivas forward Alexis Vega. You got Atlas's uh, attacking mid- midfielder Juan Pablo Vino. We go on, I beg your pardon, uh, Monterey's midfielder Carlos Rodriguez and American defender Jorge Sanchez. So those are the first timers. Little upset that Alfredo Talavera was left out, but you know he's an experienced goalkeeper. So here's the list, according to uh, you know the Tom Marshall story. I want to go through the list with you, and the only reason I, I don't even want to go through the list, right? The, the only reason, the only person's name on this list that I really care about is, of course, the great Victor Guzman from Pachuca, and he's he's in that midfield mix along with the. Jose Juan Vasquez, of course, Jesus Duenas, who, you know, great player, and Orbelin Pineda, and a, a couple others. But I love me some Victor Guzman of my Pachuca, so keep an eye on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what happens with this camp. You know, these are early days, of course, as we're building up to 2022. And now we know that these... I wonder what's going to happen in that summer, now that I think about it. Remember we talked about it last week how the Qatar World Cup is being pushed to the holiday season, essentially, right before Christmas of 2022. So it's going to be months later than we're used to because of the weather factors in Qatar, right? Or Qatar, whichever one you prefer. I prefer Qatar, I guess. So the weather is a factor, so they're pushing the World Cup back to November, mid-November, all the way up to mid-December. I believe it ends just a week before Christmas in 2022. What a lovely Christmas gift that will be for all of us. Now, we have to wait several months more. I wonder what that summer is going to be like. Are they going to be doing a lot of, you know, the European teams and the teams that are out of season, so to speak, in terms of their clubs? They're going to be playing a lot of friendlies building up, and then you start the season again. You know what I mean? That's going to be weird. But it's also it also gives people like uh, Tata Martino and the United States a few more months to prepare, if you will, and maybe a few more months to nail down who's who. So this is just the beginning for Martino, right? This is just a camp. I mean, we're just getting going. Even the friendlies for the U.S., Great. Good win over Costa Rica for Burhalter. You want to get off to a winning start if you're Greg Burhalter, And they scored some nice goals. That's fine. Same thing here for El Tree. We're not too worried about what's going on here. These are nice camps to do. You want to see guys get called up and do well and at least, you know, play well. Hopefully we'll talk to Tom a little bit maybe after this camp. You know, maybe maybe not next week. But in the near future, I'd love to get his ideas of what happened with El Tree's camp here in Tata Martino's first look at the guys he's bringing in to represent Mexico, at least at a level of this camp. So go get him, Victor Guzman, right? My Pachuca man. Somehow we didn't see any Toluca players in there. I mean, let's just not uh, let's just move on, all right? We don't need to talk too much about that. Interesting story that I was reading on ESPN FC. Raphael Honigstein, the German writer, talking about uh, Borussia Dortmund's Jaden Sancho, the 18-year-old wonder kid, right? He's got the six goals, nine assists, Bundesliga's first place team. And Sancho has kind of just taken over the wing. 
fascinating, according to the Honigstein article. He told that uh, Sancho was talking with ESPN FC. Says he was inspired to leave City, right? He leaves Manchester City, goes to Dortmund because of Christian Pulisic and the success he was having. And, you know, as I read that, i got to be honest with you. It was a little prideful of me. I, I, you know, I felt good about it because Christian Pulisic is part of the, a big part, if not the biggest, but a, a big part of the U.S. men's national team future. And for a guy like Jaden Sancho, a young Englishman who's got so much talent himself, to be inspired by Christian Pulisic to go there because of the success he was having, that's fantastic. I know it's, it's not in MLS or it's not in this particular... It's, you know, I love the Bundesliga, but some of you maybe don't even follow with them. But that's, I don't care what team it is. That's phenomenal. Just fantastic. And I love reading that. And you know what else? It's got to happen more and more and more. It has to. Whether they're... It's in MLS or in some other... American players, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of them in the Bundesliga. That is for sure. But now, it's just... It can only go up, in my estimation. I really believe that in this next generation. There are a lot of talented kids in the United States just starting to make their way in the U-20 team, in the U-17. The future is bright. Now remember, all a lot of things have to happen to pull it all together, right? And we're relying on Greg Berhalter and his staff. Doesn't always work, no matter how much quote-unquote talent you have out there, because some of it's going to fall through the cracks, and then if you don't handle the rest of the talent appropriately, you ain't going anywhere, as we saw. But I am excited about it, and those kind of stories, I mean, they do, they do get me pumped up about the future of U.S. soccer, and, of course, Christian Pulisic himself. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, at TalkSoccer. Let me know your thoughts on that. Also, remember, want to hear your three best matchups for the round of 16 that you're most looking forward to in the UEFA Champions League. Still to come, we've got the best segment in all of radio. Stoppage time and so much more. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly rolling on here on ESPN LA with the home of LAFC marching towards that March 3rd kickoff for the black and gold in their second season. You'll hear it all right here on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. I cannot wait to bring you the play-by-play of that. I got to tell you, I am more pumped up for this. You know, everybody always asks me, what's your favorite spoil? If they don't know me for more than five seconds, they obviously don't know that it's soccer. But then they're always like, okay, what, you know, what else do you look forward to? You know, baseball's right around the corner. All I see on Twitter is as soon as the Super Bowl is over, it's like, oh, baseball, baseball. Sorry, they don't cut it for me anymore. It's all about the beautiful game for me. And I cannot wait for MLS to kick off coming up on March 2nd. And, of course, the LAFC kickoff, the game on March 3rd. Galaxy kickoff on March 2nd. And then the LAFC get going the next day. Speaking of LA Galaxy, right, the uh, David Beckham statue... And I talked a little bit about it earlier. I want to hear from you on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. We can keep the conversation going. Should David Beckham have been the first statue that, for an MLS player? Biggest signing in the history of Major League Soccer, and always will be. And there is no debate of that. I mean, I'm not saying it because I'm saying it. There just isn't a debate on that. That is just right. That is just factual. It doesn't matter who the league brings in from here on out. They will not be a bigger signing. Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, no. They wouldn't be bigger than Beckham because that set it all up. 
But does he deserve the first statue as an MLS player, especially as a Galaxy player? And the answer is no. But for the overall vision of MLS, yeah, okay, if this was an MLS statue, no doubt about it, but it's intriguing. Hit me up with your thoughts at Talk Soccer. It is time now for everybody's favorite radio segment in the history of the world, I think. Even the people who don't like radio keep telling us this. It's stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah. Stoppage time. It's stoppage time. Right now. Stoppage time each and every week here on Soccer Weekly, of course. Hosted by the great producer of this show and the producer of LAFC on ESPN LA. It is the great Mario Reese. Mario, how are you, buddy? Dave, you won't believe how many people out on the streets come up to me and tell me how much they love stoppage time. And it happens all the time. I hear you. Well, you're right. I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> no, exactly. It never, it never happens, actually. <laughs> just to be honest. All right, they so we just got... feel it. They feel it, Mario. They don't have to tell us. We know. I know They're that too they embarrassed know. To tell. They can't walk up to a star like you. Come, Come on. on. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, Pochettino here. He has uh, dismissed reports linking him to Manchester United and Real Madrid after uh, he was seen at the same London restaurant as David Beckham, who you're just talking about, and sure. Zidane. Pochettino described mm-hmm. the meeting as a coincidence, saying he was with his agent and only realized that Beckham and Zidane were at the restaurant while he was already there. Is there anything here? Is it a coincidence? What do you think? Well, it's funny because here's the thing, Mario, that's so funny about those kind of stories. Yeah. Is nobody, nobody's going to believe that it was coincidence, whether it was or not. It may well have been. Come on. Right? All are, these guys in the same restaurant well, but, in London? Come well, on. Yeah, well, here, here, Mario, hear me out. Now, David Beckham might have been with Zidane, right? They're big-time Real Madrid former you know, stars and everything. Yeah. They might be having dinner. These are all rich men, right? We can all agree on that. They're super wealthy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. They're not at Arby's here. You know, and no disrespect to Arby's. I love it. I downed a couple of uh, roast beefs a few days ago. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But you know what I'm saying? These are like wealthy men who happen to run across each other at a what I would imagine was a posh restaurant. So it it might be coincidence. I mean, it might not be either. I'm not. Or maybe the I'm agent we, has something to do with setting, you know, yes, something Yes, but my point, is, my point is, Mario, look, you can kind of act like there's not. We're not going to believe it anyway. Nobody's going to believe that it was coincidence. So the story just becomes the story, whether it's true or not, that they were meeting, and who knows? Now there's speculation. Now, Pochettino, a fine candidate, if indeed, you know, Man United would be interested in him, I'm sure they are on some level. No doubt. He's a great, great young manager. But I go back to it, Mario. I'm glad you brought the story up. I go right back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. How in the world can you not keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer there if, I mean... What more can you ask for? I I don't know. It just seems to me that uh, you know you got to let this guy really go at it in the Champions League. And if he does have success there in the Champions League, and whatever that definition is, I happen to think certainly a semifinal appearance would be a major success for Man United with this roster. You got to keep the manager you have now. I, I love Pochettino, but I mean. I think you just got to go with this guy if he continues to have success at Man United. Now, Pochettino, he went on to say it was my manager, it was my agent who told me to look in the corner, and I turned, and <laughs> it was these two, Beckham and Zidane. We finished at the well, same time. He came to say hello, and we spent two minutes talking, and we split and went home. That's funny. You that's know, what, the two-minute conversation down. was probably like, "How you doing? Good. Good to see you. Nice to you know. Hey, good luck with you. Yeah, it's going well." And then the rest of the conversation was like, you do realize now everybody's going to be talking about this, and uh, this is our live. No, I mean, look, it may have been – he might be telling the truth. 
Nobody's going to believe him, though. That's the, that's the point of the story. Stop it, time! All right, so Liverpool announced a world record 125 million euro profit after run after their run to the Champions League final. So it, it pays off to make a good Champions Champions League run here, Dave. Yeah, I guess so, doesn't it? You know, we always talk about finances and how they look. It's not really the the fans don't really have to worry about that, but I disagree. I think fans do have to be concerned about any franchise's finances. Now, Liverpool is on a, a, a steep incline, of course, since Jurgen Klopp has come in. Magnificent club, but now they're making money as well. And that is a great sign because that, that's not going to stop them. You know, this is not going to slow down Liverpool by any means. If they're making record profits of 125 million pounds in one year, that is just stunning. And you know what, Mario? It also shows me that they're doing some pretty good business because their revenues are very good, but when you're making off of 455 million in revenue you're making 125 million in profits and remember you know they got a lot of overhead not just salaries everybody thinks it's just oh yeah what are the lakers salary bill like that's their whole bill for being a franchise it's ridiculous do you know how much expense there is in owning a a a massive sports team like liverpool or like the lakers it goes well beyond just playing payers people come on or or paying players i should say so this is not going to Liverpool. Nothing but good things now coming from this. You would suspect, especially if Jurgen Klopp is smart in the transfer window, as he has always seemed to be. So good things for that. I also find it fascinating, though. You know, we talk about these other teams. We talk about teams in America and everything, and it does it does remind us just the staggering amounts of money that are in world football. When you're talking about Liverpool, who you know certainly a big club. I'm not sitting here telling you they're not. A massive club. They are. Don't misread me. But, Mario, there are, what, 10, 15, 20 Liverpools, quote-unquote, around the world? You know what I mean? Like right. the, the big hundreds of massive clubs realistically around the world uh, compared to our sports where we're like, you know, you got the Lakers, the Cowboys, the Yankees, the, you know, the Red Sox. The, I mean, there's obviously big clubs, and these clubs are worth a lot here in the United States, but it just it just reminds you how massive the world's game is when you talk about these kind of things. It's just fascinating. And, you know, before we wrap up here, you know, obviously, as I say, it still comes down to you got to do it right. No matter how much revenue you have, Liverpool is doing it right under Jurgen Klopp. And that is really what matters because you can blow a lot of money and not get anywhere, as we've seen time and time again in sports, New York Knicks. All right. Hey, I'm Dave Denholm. Thanks so much to Mario Reeves, the great producer of the show. Dave. Thanks to all the guys behind the scenes. You bet, Mario. Thanks to Michael and Adam and uh, everybody behind the scenes helping us out, Jesse. And uh, thanks so much to all you guys. Appreciate it. Don't forget, listen to the podcast. Go to uh, iTunes. Hit up Soccer Weekly. Just subscribe, rate, and review. Go to the ESPN Pod Center if you prefer. And give us a good review if you love the show. I am Dave Danholm. You are listening to the home of world football in Southern California each and every week here on ESPN LA 710.